Welcome to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures, with thought leader and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast provides you with insights and ideas you can use to reinvent your culture through trust and the principles of interconnectivity, flow, and balance. At a time when the world is rewriting the rules of work, traditional leadership practices are not enough. It's time to perceive persistent challenges through a new lens. It's time to evolve. Hello, everyone, and welcome again. This is your host, Yvette Bethel, and the topic for this episode of Evolve is called Level Up Your Leadership. And to explore this with us is associate partner at Take New Ground and podcaster, Chad Brown. Chad is a leadership engagement expert. He coaches executives and entrepreneurs in the art and science of leadership for themselves, their teams, and their clients to create new unprecedented results and experience fulfillment in their work. He thrives in extreme environments and finds comfort in difficult conversations. My kind of guy. Chad is a host of the Naked Leadership Podcast, along with the founding partners of TNG. Hello, Chad, and welcome to Evolve. Yvette, thank you for having me. Man, can I just take that piece and I'll just send it to everybody before I meet them, because you read that amazingly. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome to it. (laughs) All right. So, Chad, when I heard the name of your company, Uh, take new ground. I was instantly curious about the story behind it. So please share with us, you know, I'm sure there's a leadership story somewhere built in there. So please share with us. Yeah. So I'm an associate partner in take new ground. So I'm not a founding partner. So my, uh, one of my partners, Adrian Kaler is the, is the principal founding partner. And um, I actually hired him. This is a great story for uh, maybe for this conversation. I hired him in my film production company uh, almost 12 years ago when we, when I was struggling as a leader to lead people in a meaningful way. I brought him in and he created incredible results with me in that, in that venture together. So he created the, the company to take new ground. The idea behind it is, you know, we're interested in the new. Mm-hmm. We're interested in what is possible out there that we talk a lot about what we don't know we don't know. And that's where newness exists is in what we don't know we don't know. Everything else is predicated or or based on or founded on what we've already experienced or what we've already known was there or possible. And we want, we're really interested in the conversations that take us to the places that there's something entirely new. I'm so excited because... (laughs) I just love this because there's always a space when when I work with clients, uh, there's a space where they don't know what they don't know. And I'd love to hear uh, some examples of, of, you know, kinds of themes of what, what clients don't know that they don't know. Sure. Yeah. I'll give an example of one that I was just, I just got off a, co- uh, a coaching call with one of my clients. He's an incredible, he's a financial planner, has a, has a really successful firm. His, one of his main complaints in life is time mm-hmm. and the amount of time that he has to both lead his team in a meaningful way at work, 
but also time to be with his wife in a meaningful way, be with his children in a meaningful way. And he's struggling with one of his kids. It's that they, they're, they're not getting along well. And he feels like there's some behavioral stuff that he's trying to work to help to correct. And his main complaint is I don't have time for all of this. Now, every conception that he has about time and the amount of time that it takes to do these things is based off of his life experience, something somebody told him, a story somebody sold him, something that he made up about this or that. That's what that's based in what we know we know or what we know we don't know. And in this conversation with him just today, I'm talking to him about the idea of time and how he seems to conflate time with focus and attention. Mm. And that conflation is where really where the complaint lies, because I believe he can be both focused and give attention and be effective in areas in less amount of time. And that blew his mind. That's, you know, that's where for him, what he didn't know, he didn't know, he didn't realize that he was making that conflation and that time actually is something we can utilize in so many different ways. It's just one tool that we have, but he was allowing it to own him in a way that he wasn't considering what else might be possible. Mm -hmm. So that's really that we get to play. I love this work because I get to play in the newness of ideas all day long with people and there's opportunity there. Mm -hmm. Now he's inspired to figure out how he can utilize his time differently to do all of these things that he wants to do and to relate to them in a, in a way that's, that's more meaningful for him and his family. You know, I'm listening to you uh, talk about, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, you know, you explained it beautifully how uh, people do it at an individual level. Um, I, I'd like to invite you to talk about, about the same topic, you don't know what you don't know from, a, from the level of the ecosystem. So it comes up when there's paradigm blindness. They don't see the paradigm that they've created uh, because they're an integral part of it. Um, so could you talk about it from, from that perspective, a systemic perspective? Certainly. Yeah. It's the, it's the old adage, the fish doesn't know it's in water, right? That's right. That's right. Um, and so there's, there is this dynamic, especially when we're relating with other people, same sort of thing. I, you know, we, you say systemic, I, I get, I hear when, I, when you say systemic, what I hear is a system of individuals. That's right. And so is there a separation? I don't know. I don't know if there's a separation between system and individual, and it's still an individual personal experience to be in a system and a culture. Mm -hmm. So that's where we really focus our attention is like, where is the individual making up stories and how is it assimilating to the culture stories? Because mm -hmm. every culture has stories. Mm -hmm. It has norms. It has uh, rules. <clears throat> either spoken or unspoken. And what we want to do is we want to question those at every turn. It's not in a rebellious questioning way. And, and I'm, I'm great with rebels too. I love, I love working with rebels, but it's more of an idea of like questioning. What is it that we're making up about this? What are we not seeing? 
I invite every individual in a culture, especially a workplace culture, to approach every conversation with the perspective of, I know I'm not seeing everything. I wonder what I'm missing. Mm -hmm. And that curiosity of, I wonder what I'm missing can bring it can bring a questioning of what I don't know. Like it can bring what I don't know. I don't know into light because now we can start to explore. So if, if we were to, this is a lot of philosophical uh, jargon. If we were to bring that to the ground and actually talk about, you know, an example or a possibility in this is think about a team that relates to each other in um in their work in a certain way like these this norm you don't do i'm having a hard time coming up with an example but we don't do that there we don't do that here mm -hmm. i hear that phrase a lot when we're right. working with leadership teams like we'll suggest something and they say well we don't do that here right and the next question is well why not what what is it that guides that i'm sure not not in a bad way but i want to understand the principles that guide the story that you've made up about this norm and if we can question that there might be new levels of creativity available for you and your team if that weren't such a hard line. And that's where we get to unlock what we don't know, what we don't know. Mm. This is uh, very interesting. Thanks. Thanks for that, Chad. Now, um, you talked, you kind of alluded to it early, earlier about your, um, your path, your leadership uh, <laughs> journey. And uh, it's a what, messy one. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> I'd love to know what kinds of things did you get dead wrong <laughs> <laughs> before you got it right? You know? yeah. yeah. Well, the I think one of the things that I got really dead wrong in my leadership early on is that I assumed that everybody on my team was there for the same reason. Mm -hmm. um, I thought as a leader, I was exchanging money for time and talent. And, and that I, I, I believed that that's what later leadership was. What that resulted in was me overworking people it led to a lot of burnout on my team. It led to a lot of turnover, uh, unfortunately, with some really great talent um, and some really amazing people that wanted to dedicate themselves to our vision, but they couldn't, but I couldn't, not that I couldn't, let me clean up my language. I didn't see past the exchange that we were making monetarily for time. And had I realized I call it the PVI, which is personal vested interest. So every single human being in this world only does anything because they have a PVI. They have a personal vested interest. We don't do anything that we don't believe we have possibility in or that we're going to get some sort of return on. Now, I know this is a philosophical point that a lot of people argue. I I'm on the I'm on the side of, you know, we do things for our benefit. And oftentimes what benefits us the most is what benefits the culture so that we're willing to play in the culture as well because of what we can benefit from that. And as a leader, where I missed it was not understanding the people who worked for me and worked with me, not understanding their PVI. Mm 
their personal vested interest? Why are they there? What do they dream about? What do they think about? What do they worry about? I missed all of that. I wasn't interested. And then, you know, if I could have understood their PVI, I could have helped them connect that to the vision of the company. And if they understand the vision and possible, or they, if they understand the connection and possibility of their PVI to the vision of the company, they will fight for that vision every single time. But that's the piece I was missing. So even though in this film production company, we were accelerating fast, we were getting big clients, we were, you know, becoming a known name in the industry, I'm starting to speak from stages and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, really exciting things. I was missing the human beings that were contributing to the success that we were having and they felt it and they left probably worse than they came. And that's probably one of the, I mean, not probably, that's certainly one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my leadership journey. Now, when you talk about PVI, um, <clears throat> I'm sure there are many of them. But it sounds like uh, it could be one of them could be a purpose. And, uh, you know, how does that work? Did you detect that there were some people that, you know, were purposeful and therefore, uh, you know, their interest might have been somewhere else or more focused on the business? Like, what did you find? So, I mean, I didn't find much until I was willing to open my eyes to this idea. <laughs> Mm. that people were there for their own reasons and and that act, actually that supports the vision of the company doesn't distract from it or or detract unless there is an alignment and then we don't want those people there anyway i mean they don't want to be there we don't want them there it's just not a good fit there's nothing wrong bad or broken about that mm -hmm. it's just that it doesn't fit we don't contribute to what they say they want and they don't want to contribute to what it is that we want as a company um, you talk about purpose and that, you know, if I can understand what purpose people are choosing in their life, then I can, once again, help them make that connection to what it is that we're up to as a team. And if they feel like the team can contribute to the purpose, then it accelerates everything we're doing together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will champion my vision. They will champion those who work on the team, uh, any project. They will. The other thing that happens here is um, intense personal responsibility mm -hmm. for results. Mm -hmm. When their purpose is known, seen, and connects to the vision, people will be more responsible and take greater ownership of their work in the company because it contributes to what it is that they ultimately want out of life. That's interesting because, uh, you know, I've uh, worked on a, a psychometric, you know, that measures trust. And one of the competency clusters really focuses on te a team or we orientation. And what's interesting that we found is, uh, in the the data that we've collected is the the we disposition is what we call it is the lowest uh, scoring um, competency cluster <laughs> of all of the trust competencies and so um, 
I guess my question is, because you said, you know, there's, there's that uh, personal uh, individual commitment, but how do you help them to transition that to, because purpose is about service um, and connection, but how do we help them to make that transition to working together? Well, um, I think there's a lot of answers to that question. I think it's a, I think it's a really <laughs> big question. And I actually don't think we, I don't think we know until we're willing to see the person across from us. There's probably as many ways to make that bridge as there are human beings in the world, <laughs> I, I would guess. Um, and I know, you know, one of the downfalls of our, of this, I, I would say, some would argue that this isn't true, but one of the downfalls of our time, I call this the time of exponential growth, right? Like the only thing that is acceptable is exponential growth mm -hmm. and um, being the unicorn is the, everybody's goal. And unfortunately, in that mindset, efficiency is king. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it doesn't feel efficient to know individuals. That's and true. that's a bummer. That's, that's a true. real bummer. Because, because there's not a key. There's not, there's not a there's not a golden ticket that says, hey, if you just do this one thing, your people will root for the team. They'll go for the team. They'll sacrifice. They'll have ownership. There's not. It's not. It's it's to each individual. And you have to have the systems and you have to have the culture in place that values the individual. You as a founder, I work mostly, most of my work is with founders, executive teams. And so they have a couple of reports, but not, you know, it's their job. It's their, it is their obligation, I would say, to scale leadership in a way that those who are reporting to them and have others reporting, you know, to them, it's, it's their responsibility to learn how to be interested in the individual mm -hmm. in order to make that bridge from the, the, the person, the I to the we, and it's going to be different every time. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it's a, what do we, it's like a game. It's like a, in, in sports, you know, in, if you were playing a, a game of football or, or, or a game of soccer, you can't you can't go into it saying we're going to do this one play and that's going to win the game for us. You can't or you will <laughs> you will lose every yeah. single time. Yeah. You have to go in open minded with a tool belt right. with lots of options and then you just got to be curious. You yeah. got to be watching. You got to be reading the offense. You've got to be reading the defense. You got to be playing a little bit of chess with them. You get, you know, there's so many things that happen in that element. And so for to say like, this is how you do it will not serve anybody. And that's a nod to the efficiency that is dehumanizing the workforce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's something that we, you know, I call it uh, transactionality. You know, where you treat people yes. as transactions. That's and right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. And, and with that, uh, Chad, um, this is your host, Yvette Bethel. And we would like, we will be right back. <laughs> Hold that thought, put a pin in it uh, after this message. Organizational Soul is a mission driven organization and network where we specialize in trust in academia 
families, and organizations. We are building a community of leaders who are interested in trust and culture. If you are interested in our updates, you can sign up for our newsletter at orgsoul.com. As a thank you for joining our community, you can access our free resources that are designed to help you build your brand as a trusted leader as you contribute to safe space. Sign up now at orgsoul.com. All right. So welcome back to Evolve. Our guest is a consultant and po podcaster, Chad Brown. And uh, let's keep going. Chad, I uh, noticed that you use the term naked leadership for your podcast. Mm -hmm. What exactly? I mean, it invoked a sense of vulnerability when I uh, read it. Uh, please tell us more. Uh, what, well, what then it that? worked. Then it worked, Yvette. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> one of the playgrounds that we love to play, and when I say we, I mean me and the and our my co-hosts and founders of Take New Ground, we we really love to play in the fields and of provocation, uh, provoking people, waking them up, um, you know, shocking the system just a little bit. And because if we can shock the system, we can, it's a clearing of sorts for mm -hmm. all of the, all of the preconceived notions that we, that we've had. You think about it for yourself. When somebody says something a little shocking or something a little out of the ordinary, you lose, you, you stop, you stop the path of what you're making up about them. Right. And you start to question and get curious, like, okay, what did that mean? What's going on there? I want to know more. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was the idea of leadership, the title alone. And then how do we actually live it is we say there's no conversation too dangerous. So what we mean by that is that we're willing to dive into anything, whatever is there for a leader whatever is there for a company founder specifically our 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 podcast is really geared towards company founders um but there's so much in that world of executive work that isn't talked about mm -hmm. um and there's so much that's hidden and swept under rugs that you know feels vulnerable and exposing and if we believe if we can start a conversation about it we can Decent, like we can decentralize the power of that of that thing we can take we can take its power away and and own the power back because we are now in the conversation and it do, it's not controlling us it's no longer in the darkness if you will so that was our goal for the podcast i think it's i mean we're successful at it at times we're not successful successful at it at times but We've had some really beautiful conversations on there um, that that are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Actually, the the episode that just went out this week, and I know this week that we're recording, so by the time this comes out, it'll probably be a couple episodes back, mm -hmm. um, is actually a conversation of me. Uh, I'm having a conversation with our two founders, Dan and Adrian, um, about a complaint or a grievance that I have with them. Oh. And we had never, we had never talked about it prior. Uh, it was something that had come up in our work together and uh, we're committed on our team to have the difficult conversations no matter what and be in them with each other. And so in the true spirit of naked leadership, I thought, well, what a better place than to do this on the mm -hmm. podcast so that we wow. can be vulnerable 
um, exposed. There's some things in that conversation I did well. There's some things in that conversation that I got emotionally affected by and I didn't do well. Uh, I think they would evaluate their, you know, their performance in the conversations very similarly. But that's that's the goal. That's the kind of conversations that we're having over on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Oh, wow. I, I was going to ask you uh, to share one of those uh, difficult conversations um, with us. And you went ahead and did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, I'll that's... set the stage a little bit. And people should go listen if they want to hear, want to hear us fumble around it. it. It's really, it's quite, even for me, it's quite interesting to listen back on what ha- what had happened is that um, we were in the we were in the you know ninth inning um, of a of a project uh, for a negotiation quiz that we just launched. It's mm-hmm. fifteen questions to tell you your no- negotiation style, uh, both giving strengths and blind spots. So mm-hmm. it's really powerful. We've been working on it for the last six months, formulating the questions and you know, and then all the stuff that comes with it, the landing pages and the blah, 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 all of that stuff. We're in the ninth hour, really honing in some copy. It's a Saturday afternoon and I'm at my little boy's basketball game and uh, I'm committed to not being distracted when I'm at my, when I'm at my kids games or, or functions, especially, I mean, I want to be there cause I, I enjoy those things, but also I know at any moment he's going to look back at me and and just right. check me out see where see where yeah. my attention is right yeah and uh and so uh i was committed to that i got a text from adrian one of our founders asking about some of the copy that was going on the landing page at that moment and i i let him know hey i'm at a basketball game i can get it to you in a couple hours and he kept asking questions about it and i felt dismissed Um, I felt, you know, I felt not heard. I felt like, uh, my priorities were not being my family. My priorities of family were not being respected. Mm -hmm. There was a whole bunch of it that I, a whole bunch in it that I was making up about it. And we go into that, you know, I talk in detail about that in the, in the episode as well, but there's so much that I was making up about it. There's so much that he was making up about it. And we were disconnected in the stories that we were creating. Mm-hmm. And so this was a beautiful time. We came together. We we admitted what we were making up about it, um, and we reconnected in all of that. And we made a new commitment with each other. Um, and uh, and so it was it was just a really great play, uh, a really great opportunity to share that with others. Oh wow, that's uh, that's powerful. Because I, I think. Uh, my next question really is about uh, what are the new leadership skills that are emerging? And I think that's that's one of them, <laughs> you know, because there's so much pola- polarization in the world mm. and over small things like this, where there are misunderstandings that can be easily talked through. Yes. And, uh, you know, people are be- becoming more and more polarized. So, you know, that's I, I guess that's one of the things that people can do differently. But what else can leaders do? differently what's needed now more than ever you know what i i think um something that we really work on with our clients and something i'm working on personally and i think this that example that i gave relates closely to this is that letting people into the messiness of leadership i think so much right now and it's been this way i don't i say right now but i i think it's been building up to this for quite a while is that as leaders, we're not allowed to be messy. 
we don't admit that the process and the experience of leading others to results is a messy process that we just we make mistakes we have we fall down at times uh, we have moments of weakness misstep you know all of that sort of stuff and we want to most leaders want to pretend that that doesn't exist when I mean, you think about even politically right now everything is everything is completely built around how we look mm. rather than being effective being connected and sometimes being effective and being connected means being wrong. A lot of times it does. I would say, you know, you talk about new new ways of leadership. I don't know that this is new because I, historically you can see so many really beautiful leaders who allowed people into the messiness of their process. Um, but any leaders listening to this, any executives, founders, managers that are listening to this, my encouragement to you, my invitation to you is to let people into your humanness. Mm. Just because you have decided and dedicated yourself to a leadership position does not mean you're not human. And in fact, the more you try to not be human, the less people will respect you, the less people will follow you the more people will fight against what it is because you can't, you're not relatable. Right. You do, it doesn't see, it doesn't how, if you are, if you're never making mistakes and it's not messy for you, how am I supposed to follow you? How am I supposed to learn from you? How can you trust? How can <laughs> I trust you? I yeah. can't. You're exactly right. That ultimately, it's not that I can't, it's I will choose not to trust you. Yeah, because that's dangerous because it's in opposition to our lived experience. My lived experience is that this stuff is messy. And if you're not exemplifying the messiness, if you're not exposing and being in the messiness in a meaningful way, working to clean up the mistakes, working to have the difficult conversations, like all of that, I, I won't trust you. Mm hmm. You know, a lot of people don't talk about the messiness of leadership because they're so focused on perfecting That's <laughs> and, right. and doing this better and being emotionally intelligent and, you know, developing That's this right. skill and that skill. So it's everything is like focusing you on perfecting and uh, it's not really helping you to see that the messiness is, is where the gifts are, where the opportunities are, where the growth is. You're exactly right. I mean, the one of the, I mean, there's a presupposed assumption in there, mm. which is I'm always interested in where we make presuppositions, where we where we oppose or where we um, uh, attach meaning to things that we aren't willing to get curious about. And what's what's there in what you just said is, I'm presupposing that. Let me gather my thought here just when I had it and then it lost me or <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> happens to me too. <laughs> um, you, what did you say? It's, it's good. We've we got to get here. What did you just say? 
I hope I remember. <laughs> uh, I talked oh, about shit. messiness and and uh, leaders not uh, being willing to. to oh, you be said vulnerable. Yeah, you perfection. said perfection. That's exactly yeah. right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So the the assumption is is that the goal of leadership is perfection. Mm -hmm. Like to be a good leader, I need to be perfect. Right. Or it needs to be perfect, and that assumption is. Just just question that for a moment. Sit with yourself and question that assumption. Every assumption that you have about leadership, my invitation to you is to sit and just question it. What if effective leadership? And when I say effective leadership, what I mean is causing results through other people. That's how I define leadership, causing mm -hmm. results through other people. What if effective leadership is imperfection? Hmm. What if that is the actual way right i'm i i ascribe to a lot of stoic philosophy and one of the grounding principles for stoic philosophy is that the obstacle is the way that thing that looks like the obstacle yes. yeah. in this point imperfection it looks like that thing you've got to avoid skirt around try to hide blah 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 blah. what if that thing is actually the way yes to effective leadership Uh, what if effective leadership is imperfection? Profound. I think uh, everyone will have to wipe their slates clean. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, I see that we're running out of time. So I'll just ask uh, one more question. Um, you know, if you were to think about one thing that you would like our audience to remember about this conversation? What's one takeaway that uh, you would like them to have? I think it's exactly what we've been belaboring here is that this is a messy process. And if you resist the messiness, then you won't be known. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I talk about being known a lot in in the realm of leadership, and and it kind of has people cock their head to the side a little bit and say, "What are you talking about?" Most leaders leaders are the most known people, and you know, there's this age old idea that leadership is lonely. It's lonely at the top, mm. and. I say that it's only lonely at the top if you choose loneliness at the top. And the way that we choose it is by not being known. So people can know about us, they can know of us, but that is not, that's not being known. Mm -hmm. And to be known is the most connected experience in life. That's mm -hmm. all we want because that means we belong. Like Yvette, you know, if you see me and know me, I know you, we belong with each other. Mm -hmm. That is at our core and our it's written into our bones, our DNA to belong. It's, it's everything that we want. And so uh, if you're not known, it will feel very, very lonely. The only way to be known is to embrace the messiness of what it is to be human, even in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I have a uh, colleague in Australia uh, that I work with, and and she talks about courage. 
<laughs> because in order for that messiness to come forward, you need vulnerability and courage. It's back to the naked leadership. It all takes courage. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up. It all takes courage. It's simple, not easy. Mm -hmm. It's simple, not easy. Courage is the is the foundation of any of this stuff. Any any effective leadership calls you to courage. Mm -hmm. oh, what a powerful ending. With that, I'd like to thank you, Chad, for such an interesting, thought-provoking, philosophical interview. <laughs> and grounded. <laughs> Your insights into leadership, uh, trust, culture, you know, messiness, everything, um, will certainly support our audience in with their own leadership transformation and growth. And um, you know, with that, I'd like to also invite you. I know you have a special gift you'd like to invite our, uh, offer to our audience. So please tell us about it and how to contact you. Yeah, I, I would point people towards, you know, this is something that we, I mentioned it earlier, something we've been working really diligently on. The reason we've put so much focus on this tool is because uh, I, I believe that negotiation is the heart of leadership. Every every conversation that you're having as a leader is a negotiation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of preconceived notions about what negotiation is. And, you know, most people think it's getting as much as you can. We have a very different perspective on it. Mm -hmm. um, and so we developed as a conversation starter and valuable information for you as a leader we developed a quiz. It's a it's a negotiation style quiz. It's 15 simple questions. You can do it in less than five minutes. Answer the 15 questions honestly, and the quiz will give you the results of your negotiation style, one of five. And it will also outline, you know, outline some of the characteristics so you can make sure it's something that you can relate to, see yourself in. It also gives you the strengths that you possess as that type of negotiator. And it might, and it offers some possible blind spots that you might be experiencing. You might not be things you might not be seeing in your leadership and in your negotiation. So mm. um, they can check that out. You can, those of you listening, you can check that out. Negotiation.takenewground.com. Negotiation.takenewground.com. Thank you, Chad. Uh, so much for taking the time to join us on Evolve. Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Thank you for listening to Evolve. Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Learn more about our proprietary trust, leadership, and culture courses and certifications at the IFB Academy. You can check them out at organizationalsoul.learnworlds.com.